4: A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews. With wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s and also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003 there's no larger longer spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a pw torch vip membership now approaching 20 years of podcasting go vip and dive into our post pay-per-view roundtables our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling top name long form interviews and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash govip. We have a streamlined signup form and you can pay with PayPal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes. From right now, you can be a VIP member and diving into our library, pwtorch.com slash govip.
6: now pw torch and spreaker bring you the wade keller pro wrestling podcast it's time for wade's interview with
7: one of pro wrestling's newsmakers
2: Podcast One brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for Keller's interview with one of pro wrestling's newsmakers.
4: What's the best way to communicate with Vince McMahon if you work for him? If you're a wrestler, what's one key to success that's underrated? And what are some key turning points in the expansion years that Vince McMahon came out on top of that could have changed everything? Those topics and more are covered today with Jim Ross and part two of my new interview with Jim Ross, the author of Slobberknocker. It is his autobiography. It is available as an audiobook, and you can also order it as a hard copy book online or at a local bookstore. I highly recommend it. It's a uh, walk through Jim Ross's personal and professional life through his coming home in 1999 to call the Steve Austin and Rock match. It's quite the journey. You'll learn a lot about Jim Ross. He's got a great story to tell. You will laugh at times. You might cry at times. I certainly feel choked up at some of the stuff that he's been through and some of the challenges he faced, especially through the lens of knowing what happened to his wife, Jan, uh, just months before, well, in the midst of writing this book and months before it got published, and uh, the story of how they met and how important and valuable she was to, uh, to keeping him on track at times, and how he leaned on her. So so last week, we ran the first hour of the interview. This week, we run the second hour of the interview. And it begins with a conversation about how wrestling fans have changed over the years and how that changes his approach as an announcer. Also, some keys to communicating with Vince McMahon. How do you get an idea across to Vince that maybe he wasn't thinking effectively? Also, the challenge of finding a lead protagonist, a lead babyface in professional wrestling in 2017, who everyone will cheer. Is that possible? Does Jim think it's even likely to happen or even possible to happen? Talk about that. Also, some fascinating what-ifs regarding how things could have gone completely differently in the mid to late 80s during the crucial expansion years. For instance, what if Bill Watts, not Jim Crockett, had succeeded in becoming the number one competitor to Vince McMahon on national cable. And it was close to happening, and there were external forces that caused it not to happen that easily could have gone a different way. Also, could a more sports-like approach have worked nationally? That's been talked about a lot. Vince McMahon and uh, people who have followed his approach have said, well, in order to succeed nationally, you need to be more sports entertainment and not treat it as much like a sport. How does Jim feel about that, having spent his formative years working for Bill Watts, which was a promotion that was much more sports-like in its foundation and approach. Also, Sting, uh, what if he had not torn his patella tendon at that crucial point in his career? What if he stayed healthy? Would he have changed the course of wrestling history? And was he good enough to be competitive with Vince McMahon and what he was doing in the 1990s? Uh, Or did he lack something that would have stopped him from becoming a centerpiece major draw? He was paid well. He was featured well but he was never that top-level draw, but could he have been, and if not, why not? And also, how important is it how wrestlers carry themselves off-camera behind the scenes? It's an interesting discussion. Uh, Jim's got an interesting story on that. So those are some of the topics covered in Part 2 of the Jim Ross interview today. As a bonus at the end, I'm going to add... An interview from 25 years ago this week that John Arezzi, host of the New York-based Pro Wrestling Spotlight Radio Show, conducted with Road Warrior Hawk. It's a uh, interesting interview. In in part because Hawk talks about the difference between working for Jim Crockett and Vince McMahon, the differences uh or the possibilities of wrestlers forming a union and why that may or may not happen, what would stand in the way. Some things that kind of overlap the time period that Jim Ross writes about in his book and that we talked about last week and this week. And it's twenty five years ago this week that the interview aired on New York Radio. John Arezzi, by the way, has given Pro Wrestling Torch exclusive rights to put his radio shows that he did from the late 80s through the mid-90s in the New York market and make them available on the Internet exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. So first, Jim Ross Part 2, and then Road Warrior Hawk from 25 years ago this weekend talking about his decision to leave the WWF, working for Vince McMahon compared to Jim Crockett, prospects of a union, and more. Fascinating interview with uh, a big-name star uh, through the 80s and early 90s wrote Warrior Hawk. So here we go with Jim Ross. Well, how have wrestling fans changed since you first started announcing? How how do you feel you need to communicate? And I know it's a complex question because it depends on what your boss's mission statement is for you and how you're produced and, and all of that. But how how have fans changed over the decades that you've announced that's affected the tone of your announcing, if, if that's even happened?
6: Well, I don't think that my... I don't think that my tone or my approach has any uh, has any uh, viable changes, the product changes. I can't be, if you want me to be Mid-South Jim Ross, then you've got to give me a Mid-South product. i got to have blood and violence and intensity. That's what you get that from. I'm not going to give you that Jim Ross with a PG show. That don't make any sense. Yeah. So point is, back it what I discussed previously, it all starts with the product and the music, the match, the, act, the, the, the bell to bell. That's where it all starts. And then everything the rest of us do follows that process. And uh, that's how I, I see that deal. But yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't think I changed. I, not my, I sound different. I'm older, probably slower. Uh, I don't think I've lost a lot of, of timing and instinct. Uh, I'm told I'm not uh, on Friday nights I, on the, on the new Japan stuff, which is very, very bell to bell oriented. Uh, and we don't have to, you know, we're lucky there. People say, well, you guys, I wish everybody did like you and Josh. You just stay on the match. Well, so we're told to do, we don't have to serve any other masters. We don't do live events. We don't do pay-per-views. We don't do social media. We don't sell merchandise. So, all we do is call the wrestling matches. That's it. So it's, it makes it easier to, uh, you know, to do your job. I had a funny story happen to me. I had a guy, a, a very well-known announcer in the business say, uh, how's that uh, how's that access thing going? Good, good. They're great people to work for. You know, I've enjoyed it. I mean, been there almost two years. Hope to stay longer. And uh, so they uh, he says, well, man, I don't how, how do they produce you? I said, well, they count us in they count us out. If we if we have a misspeak or a, identify someone erroneously, they stop and we could do a pickup. Oh. He said, he said, so you don't have to plug anything? No. He said, no. I said, we just call the matches. Period. Like a, like a <laughs> ballgame. Yeah. He says, how do you do that? How do I do it? I mean, putting, I don't understand how do I do it. That's what I'm paid to do. You're paid to call what's on the monitor. And you're paid to color in a manner that you are that your superiors are paying you for. It's pretty simple. That's like saying, you know, well, I want to be uh, JR. God Almighty, you, you know, you, you're, a, you're a painter, and they want to buy. I want to buy this painting, but you insist on coloring it in crimson, your OU football colors. I don't want crimson. I want blue. Well, you know, I don't really want to give you what you want. And I know you're paying for it. I know it's going to go in your home. I know this is yours, but I really believe you need crimson. Well. That's it's kind of the same deal, man. Your boss tells you how he wants it, and you give it to him. And, I, and look, for me, pretty much off and on, for 40-plus years, that's worked, that philosophy. It's worked.
1: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do.
8: At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond.
0: Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.
4: One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comment section. Thank you so much.
1: kia movement that inspires
5: call 800-333-4kia for details always drive safely limited inventory available warranties include 10-year 100,000 mile powertrain and five-year 60,000 mile basic warranties are limited see retailer for details judy was boring hello then judy
2: discovered chumbacasino.com.
3: it's my little escape
2: now judy's the life of the party
3: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
2: whoa take it easy judy
4: are as qualified as all but maybe five or six people in the world to write a 300-page book about just Vince McMahon. Um, but that's not what this book was about. So we got references to your interactions with him as part of your journey. But as you talk about announcing and the influence that his philosophy had on your announcing, he wrote, signed the paychecks during that chap- those chapters of your career, and you had to paint the color that he wanted. Um, you, how much influence... In pushback, could you give to Vince McMahon, and did it change at times of maybe when he felt more vulnerable, when he was behind Raw was behind Nitro in the ratings? Did it uh, change as he aged? Did it change as he became more of a, more of a monopoly? Um, t- talk about how dealing with Vince McMahon as an announcer specifically, since that's kind of what we're focused on at the moment, how that changed over the years depending on circumstances.
6: Well, you know, the, the great thing about me is that you know Vince. Uh, uh, Put Lawler and I at ringside, uh, and I think you described it as probably the most crucial time in the company's history. And uh, that spoke a lot of confidence he had in my work as the lead guy, and certainly Jerry's, who was always the more talented of the, of the talented of the, of the team. Uh, I found this this would this would did not appreciate uh, people not being not being forthcoming. And that may not have gone for everybody, but in the key people that he listens to and that he confides in, for lack of a better term, uh, he demanded uh, openness and, and honesty. My success with Vince, I, we, we had great debates, for lack of a better term, two guys discussing a point they had a difference of opinion on, whatever the hell that is. But my success with Vince was when it was he and I, and there were a lot of those moments in those uh, Attitude Era, going public, uh, you know, all those, all those things. It was uh, he wanted honesty, but I always thought it was kind of a respect thing. And Watts is the same way. Do you think anybody ever, uh, ever confronted Watts with the, all the boys or, or, the, or the other other office people around? Hell no. Are you kidding? Now. Did they go into a, a car trip or his office or shut the door or hotel room? When we were in, TV, in Shreveport doing TV, was he were we honest, like when Ernie and I were there? Hell yeah. Arguing and honest, but it was great. And he wanted that, but he only wanted it in his environment. that he, he dictated. This is never dictated, but I just know that I got more results out of talking to him one-on-one than I did any other time. So I never had issues communicating with him. I was raised by my dad, man. And if you, and you read and read my book, you know what kind of man he was. He was tough. And he's, you know, he, he was a big, big part of me. And uh, I almost ruined that relationship. Thank God I didn't. But, no, Vince is, I never had any issues communicating. We didn't always agree. But so what the hell? What, what what? difference does it make? Are you kidding? We didn't agree. God, Jr. said he didn't agree with Vince all the time. Ooh, boy, that's going to make headlines. Yeah,
9: okay.
4: Well,
6: well, that's
4: the deal, man. I, what, what, you, we, well, what was Vince McMahon most receptive to you in terms of introducing your philosophy that at times it was different than his as far as announce, announcing, or you can even broaden and out to booking and, and the narrative of, approach of wrestling. Where did you have influence on him, and then where did you grow? I don't know if frustrated is a word, but where did you run into the brick wall most often where you kind of had to resign yourself? To this, this isn't something where Vince is going to see my way, and I have to just accept that because he's the boss. So where did you have influence and things changed, and where did you not have influence because Vince was so strong-willed on a certain thing?
6: Well, I, I, once he put me in my role as the head of talent relations, uh, I, he, he looked at me in a, in a different way because he, he, he knew what he wanted that department to be and how it needed to change, how we needed to change our in-ring. And, we need to. We, did, we didn't have a territory. We had territories in business. We have to. We got to account for that. How are we going to get new talents? We can't keep. Re, we can't keep. Uh, you know, repackaging the same guys. You know. So. Uh, I, I. But you know, we always. We always had a real good rapport. I think, look. The only time. He never. He never got on my ass about how I was announcing as far as. You know, you're using too many pronouns, which is a running joke, or you're doing this or that. He loved my work. Uh, and, I mean, he, I walked off the grill position one night, the greatest compliment he ever gave me, uh, I think. I might be wrong, but one of the greatest compliments he ever gave me was, he said, I walked through, big night on Raw, hell, hell, we had a good show, I thought. I don't even remember what what we closed with, but it was, it was a big night. And I walked through, and he said, J.R., yep, he said, uh, God damn it. I'd like to be able to clone you. Uh, well, thanks. I think I think that's a thank you. <laughs> you know, so I think so he, too. He, yeah, he loved my work, so it's just. But you know, I'm a we're a different cats, man. We he likes. It's a bit like saying uh, I like the you like the American League because you're a Twins guy, and I like the 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 National League because I'm a a, a, a Atlanta guy or something. And we like the game. So I, we loved doing great things for WWE. And I love doing these great things or being a part of it because it's just, that's where the, you questioned earlier about, you know, the, the administrative work, the administrative work wasn't as sizzly or as bright lights as the, obviously the uh, broadcasting, but it was so much more fulfilling at times to see somebody you hire or somebody that, uh, you know, uh, has had a rough go in their career and now get, they got their break and they're really running with it, it's great. So that, those kind of things I thought were really were really good, and that's, I still get a great feelings from those deals. So I talk to guys, or guys will talk, call me, or guys that are on my roster back in those days. You know, it's, they're all very appreciative, and I, as am I.
4: Where is one area that fans might notice looking back at the broad spectrum of WWE's approach, where you had an influence that where you changed Vince's mind on something or somebody?
6: I don't. Know. I, I, that's really getting specific, and I don't know if I haven't. I don't have. I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I mean, we talk every day, yeah. multiple times a day, seven days a week, for years. So, God, I don't know, man. The volume. I didn't keep score. Yeah, I really didn't. I just sometimes uh, the wily bastard would surprise me, and what he wanted to do worked. <laughs> How
4: about that? That was my next question. Where where did he where did he want to do something a certain way? And you were like, "Oh, this is so Vince McMahon," and I disagree with him on this, and I don't. And then, boom, it worked. and You're like, "Oh, okay, he was right, and I was yeah. wrong."
6: There were there. I don't have a specific. I'm sorry, but there were a lot of those times where you think, "Well, oh, that son of a gun he did it again. This is going to work." So, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think, I, I, I just there's a lot of things. He's, he's really the legend of Vince McMahon is. Quite frankly, i this disappoint some people, a little bit overstated. He's a genius. He's a great marketer. He's the hardest-working human being I've ever known in my life. Okay? Uh, he, he, he told me that my financial dreams had come true uh, when I stayed with him, when people were leaving, and after getting pay cuts, J.J. left. You know, pay, pay cuts are rampant, big time. And all I know is he said, if you stick with me, you won't regret it, and I'll take, you know, your financial dreams will come true. And they did. So, uh, but some reason, because we love the business so much, Wade, that there's this fascination with Vince McMahon and what kind of personality he has. And we should, he's a he's he's North Carolina redneck who had the balls to make to bring stuff out of a smoke-filled VFW halls and so forth to building a global publicly traded brand. It's pretty extraordinary when you think about it. So I I just, you know, I I get, hey, I've had my share. He's he's let me go a couple, three times. What the hell? There's a couple, at least two of those times, I would have fired me too. So, so much for that. All
4: right, we'll pause the conversation here and come back and talk about baby faces and heels and how that has changed over time and get into the dilemma that uh, Roman Reigns is in or Vince McMahon is in when it comes to pushing Roman Reigns. So that's coming up right after this. As many of you know, I like my food analogies when it comes to pro wrestling. Don't ask me how I make it work, but I think I do some of the time. I I really actually am into food. I like uh, nutrient dense food. I think about what I eat. I think about what I put in my body. I think I make good choices and I have good energy and I maintain my weight. Well, part of that is whole foods and nutrient density, but that's not always possible when you're in a rush or when you don't want to order out and spend the money on the tip and waiting for the driver to show up. And a lot of us don't always have time to cook. Some people just, don't like to cook, and that's where Factors' fresh, never frozen meals come into play. In fact, Factor offers 30 plus meals per week and 36 plus add-on options like smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going. So here's what you do: head over to gofactor 75com wade 60 and you'll get 60% off your first box. That's code Wade60 when you go to gofactor 75com wade 60 to get 60% off your first box.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: All right, we're back with Jim Ross, the author of Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. And uh, I recommend the book. It is available in audio format. Todd Martin from The Fix with Todd Martin. We'll be reviewing this book on an upcoming VIP podcast, The Fix with Todd Martin, one of the centerpieces of VIP membership. I look forward to hearing what Todd has to say about this book. He's about halfway through it right now. Uh, so that'll be coming up uh, in a matter of days for VIP members. But back to Jim Ross. And Jim, the way baby faces and heels are portrayed is different in some ways today than it was when you got started. Uh, I know you quoted Bill Watts uh, saying, Baby faces are not stupid, there are no redeeming qualities. To heels. I don't know when that changed and if it's a good thing or not. I know people look at Steve Austin and go, well, he was an antihero. And since that worked, there should be shades of gray and baby faces shouldn't stand for anything. And heels should have redeeming qualities. Um, I, I I just, again, I nodded along with the Bill Watts philosophies that you that you repeated when it came to that. I, I don't see that consistent narrative in wrestling today where there's... Enough of an adherence to giving fans a reason to consistently root for somebody to win and root for somebody to lose and I don't know how much fun it would be if you watched o u football and the announcers kept telling you reasons that maybe their opponents are better people uh better kids the coaching staff works harder they uh there's less. like to me, you don't want that like I don't want full honesty from my local sports announcers i want them to tell me what i what i should love about my team and and not spend a lot of time focusing on what i should maybe like about the charity work that the other team does uh talk about how that has changed over the years and and your early influences on the role of heroes and villains and antagonists, baby faces heels and pro wrestling
9: well
6: as society changed our values and our outlook on many things or defiance became a uh embraced trait uh all those babyface, typical, traditional babyface characteristics have started to wane, and uh, it's a societal thing. Wrestling has always followed societal trends. Uh, So has television, so has movies. You know, I I tell a story real quickly about after World War II, the proliferation of Hawaiian athletes became uh, Japanese wrestlers, and the guys from, say... Uh, French Canadians became Nazis because it was following a trend, a global, worldwide trend, and I just think that that's we, we we still follow that. So with that said, you know Austin may have been in the very very beginning of that. I can't I can't think of anybody that, could, that would in wrestling anyway, but society had other illustrations, of Stone Cold's defiance and Austin. Identified with so many of the working class people that they they got what he was doing. I like that guy, type deal. So I think it's a societal thing, and I don't think it's a that wrestling is is purposely walking away from. Hey, look, if if it was that easy, where you could have a real traditional babyface uh, heel dynamic, weight, why wouldn't all these companies not have such a minuscule? a uh, line of demarcation between fan favorite and villain. Everybody's that way. I don't know if any wrestling promotion. And, you know, I, I watch a lot of wrestling, you know, being a widower, I'm here at home watching on TV, and I'm still a wrestling fan. So that's great. But everybody's that way. It's all that, those shades of gray. And somewhere along the way, uh, you know, Some are adapting a little later, but it's a societal thing. I really believe that. I really truly believe that, and it may get worse. You've got to find. But if you want to cheer somebody, can you cheer a coward? Can you cheer a liar? Can you can you cheer someone that has to cheat at every turn in the road to gain an unfair advantage so that they have a better opportunity to win? Or is that being cool? Or does it matter how it's presented? I think one of the great uh, the oxymorons in, in our business is a cool heel. A cool heel is a character baby face. In my world, cool heels don't exist. Cool heel is a character baby face. And heels are villains. And villains are not to be honored. Period.
4: And and it does seem like that is a challenge in this industry right now is, you know, Roman Reigns is facing that. Um, How does he, He seems to struggle with wanting to be true to being the coolest guy in the room, but the fans struggle—a certain part, an undeniable certain sizable slice of the demographic who watch and want to love WWE struggle with connecting with him uh, because he doesn't open up to them. He's not vulnerable with them because he's so set on being the coolest guy, a man of few words— and there's you know, a lot of factors at play and a lot of things that aren't his fault. though. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan stuff that people hold against him and all of that. Um, getting to keep the music and wear a vest and come out in the same spot the Shield did while Seth and Dean changed characters and fans sort of go wait. He's being treated special. All uh, There's all kinds of factors that play into it, but...
6: I, I, never, I never thought of that one.
4: <laughs> I, I, well, it's, I'm not saying it's in the top eight, but it might be number nine. Like, I think there's this
6: whole array oh, of... Oh, no, things. I really... I, I'm, whatever your top is, I, I, I'm not saying yay or nay. I'm just yeah. thinking, you know, you're right... That could be overanalyzed and and overthought, perhaps. I hadn't even thought of the attire and all those things, but... uh,
4: Well, I think people, I think wrestling fans saw for... They held against John Cena somewhat, you know, the the marketing aspect that was necessary for being in the top spot. And, you know, he got made fun of for the jorts and all that. But Roman, you know, I mean... He just looked like he was built by an 11-year-old playing a video game. Oh, cool vest. And he'll do the Superman punch 18 times a match. And he became kind of this embodiment of of a focus group with a bunch of kids sitting around going, what would the coolest wrestler look like? And that, that worked against him, counter to how real and stripped down and open and vulnerable fans perceived Daniel Bryan and CM Punk to be as Roman Reigns leapfrogged over them while wearing... The vest and coming out to the shield music and not having to come out to the same place that all the other wrestlers did, all this stuff worked against Joe, this talented, hardworking guy who has this family history and wanted to do right, do right by his boss. But part of this ongoing struggle, and it's a company-wide struggle, is as much as as much as you know Roman or Joe. I guess when he's in podcast mode, he's Joe. Says you know Roman isn't a babyface or a heel. The company is clearly their number their preference would be for him to be cheered by everybody and they kind of live with and embrace publicly the 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 reality that he's not and it's not a bad spot to be they can still make money with him but he is he to me is this symbolic representation embodiment of in 2017 trying to figure out how do we find a lead protagonist that our entire diverse fan base likes i don't think it's impossible to find him
6: but yeah, good luck. Good luck on that deal. But it is uh, the we, the diversity. Your key word is diversity. Yeah. The key word is uh, what's going to happen in in areas that we can't explain or control or have anything to do with that's going to change our outlook on certain things, uh, on how we look at uh, character and integrity and things like that. Because it's obvious in this country, it's it's becoming less of a marketable trait, which I'm sad to say. I'm not condoning it, by God, by any stretch of imagination, but come on. Uh, our society that we live in here, I mean, good God almighty, we're begging people to help uh, donate to uh, flood victims. We, we've got killings in this Vegas thing, and, you know, the yeah. people, the gun guys are – all this is crazy. And our president's not helping matters. Uh, just So it's just – a lot of things going to affect this deal. And, and Reigns is – I'm not in defense or whatever – I think Reigns is just simply needs to steer his course and continue to improve and evolve as he naturally would if he was an, uh, a growing heel or a growing baby face, just quite frankly. Just, and, and people should just be able to cheer or boo, whatever the hell they want. I don't like that, but that's where we are in society, and that's where, certainly where we are in wrestling. And there's people that, there are people that look at Colin Kaepernick as a plague, and, they, and some people look at Colin Kaepernick as a martyr. Right. So, what is he? He's whatever you want him to be. And you and I can't, we can't, we could come up with it, we couldn't come up with it with a, a PR plan that's going to rehabilitate Colin Kaepernick's image. The only thing that has the potential of doing that is Colin Kaepernick to get the great comeback story and catch on with the team and go win the Super Bowl. Odds of that happening are somewhat slim. But that would certainly do it. But my point is, is that it is it, people have these opinions. Same thing with the rains. I uh, that's like I asked the other day on Twitter. Well, now tell me again why I'm supposed to hate Bulgarians?
4: <laughs> right. Yes.
6: I don't. I, I missed that war. Yeah. And I and I, I said like I said on my podcast this week uh, uh, with your buddy Jason Powell on my show. Yeah. Uh, talked about uh, uh, those things and and uh, you know this. The, the, just the, the insanity of, uh, some of some of the ways we think about wrestling is, I don't know, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I love it, but well, it's, he... it's, it's hard. Some days it doesn't love me back.
4: You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed the Weight Killer Prosing Podcast, Weight Killer Prosing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon
5: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
7: Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the Free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com.
4: Let me me say this, because I want to bring this back to your book, because I think some of the answers to the Roman Reigns dilemma – And I'm not as resigned to it as you are that it's inevitable that there will be as polarizing a figure as Roman Reigns that you're pushing on top. I'm not resigned to that being inevitable. And I think some of the answers lie in subtle ways that wrestling is presented. And you wrote, uh, as far as refereeing goes, you told the story about Harley Race and how Harley sold it like he was both furious with me and afraid of the sanctions I could bring down on him. You're talking about the authority that referees had, even though they're pipsqueaks and they're not athletes. That yeah. that they had embodied in them the power to influence the fame and pocketbook of wrestlers. And that was a huge part of so many territories, including Bill Watts. Referees will be respected by the wrestlers because ultimately the referees have the power. And there's something that's not as firm in today's wrestling regarding that as there should be. Also, you, you wrote, what gets a crowd hotter than someone cheating? And that refereeing... the. Part of telling that story is having referees be respected. So I think like there's these, these this, this thousand points of light in wrestling that if a lot of the stuff gets cleaned up, you can drop a character into the narrative and have the fans be more inclined to cheer them if you have set up a narrative structure where you don't have color commentators complimenting heels for, quote, doing what it takes to win and nobody yeah. countering that narrative. So that That's works not... against Roman unfairly.
6: Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. It's it's counterproductive, and it's ill-advised. So, but here's the great thing: everything we talked about these uh, alleged or perceived uh, issues, negative issues, can all be uh, easily addressed. The fundamental aspects of the business that the the talents themselves have got to legislate. Of uh, you know, you guys can wrestle as fast as you want, but understand that part of your mission here is for the audience to process what you are selling and take the emotions that they feel from it home with them. And when they get home, they may go to WWE shop and buy a Mm T-shirt, or they may uh, watch the network, or or go buy a pay-per-view, or go to another live event. You want them to have an emotional investment in in what they have financially invested in. Simple deal, man. It's marketing, promotion. So, uh... Uh, that's kind of how I see it it's really simple. It's really simple uh, to me. And we overthink so many things, it's, and that's just one of them.
4: Uh, it, you, there's so many uh, just funny stories in the book, and then there's so many pivotal moments in the book. We talk about some funny stories. There's some that are funny and gross with Ric Flair um, and Vince McMahon uh, and all of them. Uh, I, did, were there stories that you at one point had in the book and you thought – this would embarrass this person too much, or it might seem too distasteful, or it's not my place to reveal it. Were, were there temptations to put in stories that actually ended up getting edited out?
6: Mm, nothing got edited out. We, everything was in that we wanted in. Uh, there were a lot of stories uh, of a soft, more exceptional nature that, uh, you know, if, if this was a knee-jerk tell-all that I could have included without question, uh, but I chose not to there's a funny story about a talent coming to me and telling me that uh, I had to help them and they were, they their wife's going to divorce them, but I, I had to take care of it. I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. He said, well, I, uh, I bought my girlfriend. He's talking about his, his wife now and he's segueing to his girlfriend. I bought my girlfriend uh, a boot job and I put it on my credit card and I thought I'd get the statement before my wife did. And she opened the statement and it was for this, uh, cosmetic surgery thing, you know, And it wasn't like a small tab of, you know, a couple of 50 bucks or something. You're talking several hundred dollars. I said, man, uh, you know, so those are those. And that's a very, very famous guy. Yeah. Very famous. And I. So here's the deal. Is it a funny story? Oh, it's a a hilarious story because all the dialogue that I had with him regarding, (laughs) you know, I don't know that I should even find you or laugh at you or feel sorry for you being so stupid. Uh, The point is, is that I don't know what would have. I don't know what that would have done. I, I mean, there's a lot of good stories in the book, and there, yeah, there's there's a lot of you, you, there's plenty of the, like I said, the sophomoric sexual stories, the boys will be boys, quote unquote stories. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think we covered our basis on the boys' stories, and I think that, uh, and I don't think I I don't think I've made anybody's going to have any issues with their uh, what they read, family wise. I mean, know, oh, hey, my ch- my own children. Uh, are, are going to read things. If you think you, after following my career, you know, you, they read reading the stuff in there that they ain't ever heard. So, uh, you know, I don't know. If, and I don't know. Uh, I, they're mature, and they're smart girls, and they're successful. They're cool. But, you know, the old man's always been a little bit of an, a, a renegade simply being in the damn wrestling business. Ask, if you don't believe me, ask their mothers.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you're talking openly about smoking pot, and you're talking... I mean, yeah, I mean, they're just, there's just... It's not it, as much as it wasn't a tell-all, titillating, you know, gossipy book. Uh, people get a taste for some aspects of of your life and, and your conduct, and that of wrestlers around you. That is, uh, you know, for people who are looking that for that kind of thing, there, there's a good dose of that in the book, uh, for sure. All right, so we'll cut to a break here and come back and talk about turning points in the evolution of the industry during the WrestleMania years, the early expansion years. How could things have gone? In a completely different direction if just one or two things that could
10: have happened did happen. We'll explore that after this. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Wrestling Paradise at PWTorch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the U.S., Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro-Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices, or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. All right, we're back
4: with Jim Ross, and we will continue our discussion here. Uh, there's a couple, tur- there's a few turning points in this industry that I think the business could have pivoted in a very different direction, and somewhere I'm not sure if it would have mattered or not. One that I'm curious about is is uh, in mid south, Junkyard Dog uh, leaving without notice and going to the WWF. What if JYD had stayed around? Would the economic impact that affected Watts crippled Watts? Would, would JYD uh, sticking around have helped keep Watts strong enough to be more of a sustained competitor when C- he and Crockett, especially in AWA to a lesser extent, uh, were battling to try to be that, that that number two group on national cable and syndication?
6: It would have helped, but it wouldn't have solved it. Yeah. Uh, but it would have helped. It would have slowed down the bleeding, but the bleeding would have continued. That's how dire the economy was with the uh, oil and gas uh, you know, issues just bottomed out. So you know, people were there oil oil people that were just leaving leaving their rigs and they were Just walking off, they're done. Yeah. So it was terrible, and unemployment was amazing. Ironically, because people couldn't didn't have the money for entertainment, they, the uh, the 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 TV ratings were unbelievable. Yeah. But the live event business, which is what ninety nine percent of the money was horrible, and uh, J Y would have helped it some. But look, at that point when he left, he was beginning to look at the other side of the, of the equation. Okay. You know, he didn't work out as hard. He didn't. He wasn't. He didn't look like JYD of the old. You know, the, of the old days. Uh, and but it wouldn't. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have uh, no, it would. It would. It might have. It might have wait, we sold a few more tickets here, there, and yon. Slowed it down a little bit, but the bleeding was there. And, and until the economy got uh, back on its feet, there was nothing anybody could do about that.
4: What Was there anything or any one or two or three key factors that could have broken Bill Watts' way that would have led to him being the main competition to Vince McMahon instead of Jim Crockett and Dusty Rhodes, even if it meant well, Turner? Because yeah. Turner maybe would have bought out Watts, and Watts would have been VP, but the, the, this, that sail, sailing would have been smoother because they would have had this established relationship.
6: If Ted had kept his word after seeing the success of the Sunday show, when we put Mid-South on Sundays on a week delay, uh, and he and Bill have made a deal. They verbally, uh, did the layout or the outline better put, of, uh, what they could do. And then, uh, you know, Crockett comes in and buys the, uh, Vince's time slot. And, and Crockett was very, very smart in buying it and negotiating with TVS. He got the, uh, exclusive. So he was the exclusive content provider for that category. So, you know, legally, Bill couldn't be on the air, but, you know, that if Turner had not agreed to that term, or he, Ted might not even been aware of it. Hell, I don't know. That wouldn't surprise me either. Because I doubt if Ted was very much involved in, in, in Crockett's deal with Vince and all that stuff. Some of them, I'm sure, but probably not over much of your thing. So, now, you know, I, I just, uh, I think that, uh, you know, uh, Vince's, uh, our, our Crockett's deal was, you know, he, he was smart and putting that stipulation in. But that would have been a, that would have been a, that could, that was a potential game changer if Cowboy had gotten uh, a TVS long-term high visibility time slot, and that was what was promised. But it wasn't promised in a contract. It was promised in a brainstorming meeting. And here's what we'll do, blah blah blah. So the plans are in place. But then it went down and, and, and plans change.
4: would Bill Watts have been at that point in his life a better competitor if he if it had come down, you know because people you know it was WSW versus WWF in the Monday Night War, but it was WSW versus WWF before that too. Um, and it, WSW struggled, but there was flair, there was sting. Um, it, you know the dangerous Alliance, there was all this stuff that was happening with, with the uh, Ted Turner version of wcw that he inherited essentially from jim crockett he inherited the roster and the stars and the booking philosophy and a lot of management what what if that had been watts uh, how does wrestling history change at all what different course does it take if it's watson not crockett in charge
6: i really believe that uh that uh cowboy was when he got to atlanta was i don't think he was burnt out but i think he was charred i think he was you know it was a it was a Adrenaline Rush, back in Atlanta, where he he loved Atlanta from his days booking there, wrestling there. Uh, So I I don't know. I think, uh, I just think that he was, he couldn't control, in the corporate world, he couldn't control all facets of the product. He could control a lot of it, no doubt. But a lot of the, the other ancillary things surrounding the presentation of the product, he couldn't control in that environment. So I don't know if he would have been long term there anyway. If, uh, if things had been different, you know. I and then you know he came to uh, he came to WWE and that was that was the same deal. Well, it's, maybe he can re- reignite and, and get that great creativity and organizational skills and feel for the business, feel for a talent. Uh, but he's by that time he was you know it was the the the, the high so to speak wore off. And it, and then he, you know, he, he's kind of he, he told Vince I'm out, I'm done, I'm, I'm through. And he, he, took his Hertz rental car or whatever it was, Hertz or something, and he drove it from Stanford to
4: Vicksburg.
6: Yeah, try those drop charges on for size.
11: Yeah, but
6: uh, that's Bill. He's just, I think he was just done, man. So, you know, the, we needed to get Bill in the national picture back in the, in the mid '80s. And uh, but the thing about a guy like him, who's a very strong alpha male. Much like Ganya and other wrestlers that became owners, Fritz. Uh, boy, it's they're so old school in a lot of ways and so uh, archaic and, at times. It's always seemingly my way or the highway, and sometimes my way is not the right way.
4: Yeah. Well, if Watts, because uh, I, I did the interview with Watts, that may have the, his his he was ja- he was motivated and. To, to to re-enter the national promoting scene. I mean, he talked about having this vision. If he could just sit down with Ted Turner, he told me. Uh, he would dazzle Ted Turner with his ideas, and and he can take the business to new places it's never been. He was motivated, and I, I've heard that that was influential in him him being seen as, okay, let's take a chance on this guy and bring him in. And then some of the things he said at the very end um, might have ended up costing him his gig, too, once those were focused on Um and but I, I I sensed when I did that long interview with him, someone very motivated still, and you know this was circa '91, um, so I, I was had, you know, people say oh wrestling passed him by. I'm not sure that wrestling passed him by. I just don't think Watts had it in him to, at his age, with his accomplishments, deal with, as, as you wrote, the, Vince overruled him on one thing, which was Ahmed Johnson's name. You know, and he was, all right, I'm not going to get my way on something like this. This isn't going to work. This isn't what I was told. I, I still wonder if, if Bill didn't have the interruption of power, that if he had the flow of being in control and immersed and, and wasn't stepping into somebody else's territory, that his philosophies were so sound and, I believe, so timeless that he would have had that support group around him. And if he had the budget, and like you said, Tad had kept his word, I, I just think that's one of the pivot points in wrestling that isn't talked about very much, uh, which is what if it was Watts and not Crockett?
6: Yeah, it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good uh, uh, topic, no doubt. It's very interesting. I, I'm with you on that deal. Well, uh, first of all, anybody that thinks or still thinks that the wrestling business that passed Watts by is uh, mistaken, in my opinion. Uh, Wrestling Fundamentals, and he was as strong a fundamentalist as I've ever been around in the business. Uh, But the fundamentalist as far as the basics of the business, how an office treats the talent, how the talent approaches their job, and professionalism, and fundamental soundness, and psychology, and and, uh, being, being careful of how you represent the product, all those things. That's just never, never going to go out of style. Here's the illustration. Uh, it's baseball season, playoffs, World Series coming up. Pitchers still have to throw strikes. Pitchers have had to throw strikes since the early 1900s. Uh, batters still have to drive, get, get hits and drive runs in. And still, to this very day, if you hit a ball out of the ballpark, fair, it's called a home run. They changing. it. So the fundamentals of the business, throwing strikes as a pitcher, you know, having a great arm as a catcher, uh, whatever. You ain't going to change weight. It's the same deal. It's the way the game is constructed. And you're not going to blow up the game for what reason? Just make the game you have better. And that's kind of what I look at. Cowboy was, was not... Cowboy would have been a little bit more reluctant for all the flying that's being done today simply because he's not against flying. He's against the... Actions that occur after the landing, selling, and the guys today—if they just would slow down a little bit, so that they could sell more—and I could feel how hurt and how or how excited or disappointed or dejected or whatever it is—I would really appreciate. So, you know, I—I think, uh, but I think Bill's Bill's issues. Bill's not a corporate guy, obviously. Bill's used to being the boss on everything, like Vince is. On everything. And there wasn't that role for Bill. They didn't have that role in WWE. It was already occupied. The big Irish guy had that role. So I never really understood how that was going to work. But, hey, look, I was glad he was there. He's entertaining, you know. My wife Jan loved cooking for him. And, you know, he'd come over. And, and, and I'd try to help him as I could. But, you know, I'd already been down this road. When Bill came to WWE, I love him. He's my mentor. But I made sure that publicly and in the in the confines of the of the office that we were not joined at the hip i'd already done that i i got joined at his hip in atlanta it didn't work out real well for me so uh but him going on so i said were you surprised the cowboy left nope Did you know Nope. but i know him so
4: thanks for downloading today's show take it to the next level with a vip membership get shows like this the wade killer sync podcast wade killer sync post show and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also, hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and the fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content, and the ad free listening experience. slash go VIP. The thing about Bill at that time, at this mid to late eighties pivotal time is he, unlike Dusty, who was, you know, the most influential creative mind other than Vince McMahon during that time period, Dusty was still an active wrestler and had that conflict between the ego of the performer and the prudent what's best for business uh, disconnect that, that I think aids that aided Bill Watts at that point. Um, And, and philosophically, you know, Dusty had some crutches that he went back to time and time again. And, I mean, maybe we would those would have been exposed at that time for Bill Watts had he continued to promote during those years. that Dusty was kind of driving things into the ground. But from a budget standpoint with Dusty and the move to Dallas and the Jets, I, I just – it was some boneheaded booking and financial decisions that led to selling out to Ted Turner, which maybe ultimately worked out fine. You know, it had things gotten better for WCW, and had they been more prudent and sustained their, their – their uh, success, then things would have turned out different, for better, for worse. Still, but I, I look at that the the Crockett Dusty run before the Turner buyout that necess- necessitated the Turner buyout, and I just think, okay, where would Watts have been different, creatively and business-wise? And that's where I wonder again, you know, like would would he have been that pre- pre- presented a counterproduct? To the way Vince McMahon promoted with, you know, dunking for pumpkins and chocolate sauce on Saturday Night's Main Event and, you know, all the things that Vince likes to do that are kind of corny and sports entertainment y. Watts would have provided maybe a more competent and prudently run uh, alternative that would have led to a dual setup sooner than the raw nitro dynamic, you know, about five, six, seven years later.
6: It'd be different. It would be different. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be more uh, athletically oriented and underscored. Uh, and presented, uh, but you know there are different producers, there are different bookers, there are different creative guys. So uh, you know, th- you know it's going to be different. It's like you know, if we if we took a car tour of the territories back in the day, as Tony greer loves to say, back in the day, back in my day, that <laughs> uh, uh, we'd see a different presentation in virtually every territory. Yeah. Some some exclusive nuances, and that's just the way it was. The owners, the bookers, the promoters, whatever made sure that the their product mirrored them to some degree, you know, and uh, it was something that they had a little piece of themselves in. So I, I just, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think Cowboy would have be been different. But boy, I tell you, man, it's McMahon's vision on the marketing side and the, and the business relationship side uh, to be able to, uh, uh, compromise uh, a little, some small phases of the business to get a bigger return from uh, relationships like NBC and things like that. Oh man, I don't know the bill would have done some of those things. Yeah, and if, if he hadn't done it, it would have been a mistake. But uh, it, it would have been a different ball game if Cowboy had been in. But I don't know if the outcome would any different. Do,
4: do you think Watts financially was more uh, careful than Crockett and Dusty?
6: You mean his personal savings and things? Uh,
4: well, I, mo- I mean more in terms of how he ma- how he managed
6: his business. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Because well, I think so. Yeah. Uh, look, yeah. I, Dusty, you can't blame Dusty because Dusty wasn't the bean counter. Uh, somebody's got to go get with Dusty. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, but uh, but Crockett and then all the whoever the, the buck stopped. Crockett was the, where the buck stopped there, Jimmy. So, but Bill would have been a little bit more thrifty and would have been taking less risk. Yeah. So that's what Vince's a great skill is, taking calculated risk. He's done it a lot, and hey, some have paid off, and some haven't. But the ones that have paid off have paid off in a big way.
4: Do you do you think Vince's approach to promoting more in a more sports, as he would define it, more sports entertainment, whatever that means, he he has his idea of what that means, and it's a little less of what Bill Watts' philosophy was um, in terms of treating it like a sport. I I do not believe that for pro wrestling to be nationally successful the way that it has been for Vince McMahon that it needed to that it needed the philosophy that Vince McMahon has i think it can work it has worked for vince but i don't think it's the only way it would have worked and i think sometimes people say that as if it's agreed to we stipulate to that we all agree that it took vince mcmahon changing the tone of the product to being a little more silly and a little less sports based for it to work and i just don't think that because you're promoting one territory on national television instead of dozens regionally, that the fans watching the product, who were paying for all these other styles of wrestling, just suddenly humanity changed, and the only type of pro wrestling they would pay to watch on a national level was Vince's vision. I don't agree with that. I think Bill Watts, but again, not just use Bill Watts as the sample here. If he succeeded and Vince McMahon didn't, and he stuck to his guns on a more sports-like approach, I think pro wrestling could have been as big or bigger than it was under Vince McMahon. I don't think it needed to be more silly and take itself less seriously and be less sports-like for it to succeed. Do do you agree with that premise that to go national and succeed, it doesn't necessarily mean Vince's vision was the only one that would work?
6: To go national and succeed, uh, you should have the best product that you have the ability to produce based on your own philosophies. But if your philosophies are so narrow-casting... Uh, you might have to change, but the I you know look. I think that a, a clean, good-looking, well-produced show, uh, uh, you know, whether it be a harder-core version or 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 whatever. I think the days of having blatant uh, and indiscriminate blood use uh, is over. Yeah, I'm not big on helping perpetuate hepatitis or. <laughs> Any other blood-driven illness, right? And so, uh, and those that—and I think that those that encourage it are probably uh, 18 to 24-year-old men, is they're, because that they're, they might be the most most uh, influential group. Well, that's like somebody saying, "Well, if it's PG, if it's TV 14, all the problems would be solved." That's so stupid.
4: No, I agree. Yeah,
6: but anyhow, the, there's a. Whatever. If you're good, is your product good? Is your presentation good? Then you got a good. You got a chance to succeed. Yeah. And I don't even know what. And what good is? It's what the audience will consume. Simple as that. I don't know. What, I don't know what that is all the time. But I certainly know that uh, uh, that Vincent, that Bill and Vince are two very strong but different men, in many ways. And it reflects back on their, the product that they're producing for uh, their television shows. And it would be different, no doubt. And I think, hey, look, if the, if the, the local playing field and and everybody had a good national network and, and all that good stuff, uh, Cowboy could have walked hand-in-hand uh, hand with any uh, other creative entity it, it, within his style. Within his style. You know, it's...
4: Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Does Bill Watts' approach, in the more sports-like approach, get undone and unraveled because there's so much more availability to how the industry works? Because I think that's blo- – I'm going to load up my question with my biased view on it when, as I it to you, but I don't think so. I, I don't think pe- – people know Game of Thrones isn't real. I mean, but it doesn't affect their enjoyment of the immersive experience of, of being brought into that universe and cheering for and rooting against and all of that. Um so I don't think knowing something in more detail isn't on the up and up means you can't present it more realistically. And the fact is, and you can speak to this, every everybody knew wrestling wasn't real in 1965. And well, not everybody, but you know, 1975 and 1985, we just didn't have books written on it and podcasts explaining it in as explicit detail. But everybody was highly suspicious of it, and it wasn't covered in the sports pages. I mean, that was right. the giveaway. So this idea that it was uh, something that happened in the, in the mid-'80s that led to this massive change in how you had to present the product, fans were just given a more realistic product before that stretch in the-'80s. So they were more able to believe and more willing, as you said, to suspend their disbelief and hit that magic middle zone.
6: Yeah. Uh... Uh, I, I don't know. You, you, you covered it. It's, it's, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I have anything to add. to any, you know, this, this Bible.
4: Uh, well, not everybody agrees with me. Some people oh, say. I,
6: I you know. look. I believe. I, I, you know how I believe, whether I'm right or wrong. Yeah. It's how I got in the business. It's how I stayed. I am going to present until I am told differently. I have never been told differently. To. Use my own feel of the game and communicate to the viewer in the context of it being a as legitimate and mainstream athletic competition as the talents will allow us to sell. Some things that are, are, are uh, you know, you have to be able to handle things. So something is, something is not funny or it bombs or dies. You can either react or you can let it go. And, uh, and it's, but, unfortunately, too many announcers today forget that they're on television and that the pitchers are going to oftentimes be quite adequate.
4: Another uh, turning point, just a couple more here. Um, Sting on the patella tendon tear. How, how influ- you wrote about that, and it came at such a key time. Uh, how, how important was that in WCW, I wouldn't say unraveling, but just not getting the traction to compete uh, effectively with Vince McMahon at that stage of the game?
6: Well, I thought we had, uh, uh, positioned very well to take the next step and become the, the base, basically the baby face, uh, hero, uh, of the brand of WCW. So in other words, he was going to be our Hulk simple. Yeah. Best analogy I can give you. Uh, so, and then when that happened, it really, uh, we were so shallow booking wise and we didn't have anybody ready to assume that role that was new we were lucky when austin got hurt that we had rock yeah but everybody hasn't doesn't get that break all the time and we didn't have it in wcw at all so uh but that was very unfortunate and that's funny i got a, I i gotta show you what kind of guy steve borden is I don't think he cared me sharing this. I got a text message from him while we were on the air, and he said, uh, It says, You're a good man. I'm ne- I'll never forget how you helped me. Wow. Completely out of the blue. Wow. Now, uh, today is my, I tweeted this out, today's my, it would have been my 24th wedding anniversary. Hmm. So uh, he may have seen that on social media, I'm not sure. But nonetheless, completely unsolicited. That's from a wrestler, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. They're not known for these acts of kindness. And I hate to say it like what oh, you are don't like wrestling, no, I love it. And but sometimes uh, I get disappointed in, in those of my peers because they conduct themselves unprofessionally and they continue to then help facilitate the already lousy reputation that the genre has. And they just don't get that. Come on.
4: I'm I'm glad you shared that. Sometimes it's, speaking of Sting, uh, sometimes locker room leadership by your top star is overrated. Somebody can draw money. Junkyard Dog can draw money and not necessarily be the rah-rah locker room leader and and all of that. Um, And I'm saying he was or wasn't. But with Sting, did he lack and this is a tough time to ask you this question if if the answer is yes, he lacks something, but as honest as it can be, did Sting lack anything that would have blunted or slowed down or even prohibited him from being a long-term centerpiece attraction that say Steve Austin had Hulk Hogan had John Cena had, and has, was there something that he didn't have that would have made it a little bit more of a challenge? He had a lot going for him, but was there anything that might've held him back in terms of, you know, at the core being, again, throwing some multiple-choice options out, just being driven.
3: I I, I
6: know what what you're getting at. Look, if we didn't overproduce him, uh, we looked at who we had and what his strengths were, and we always kept him in his strengths, always kept him in his wheelhouse, meaning this. He's a soundbite promo guy. When it's the right personal angle, when it's a big enough deal, and we need to get him a longer interview, he can still do it, but he's better when he's doing a soundbite brief flurry interview and so long as we keep that in mind with his creative then we're going to be cool because as he gets more comfortable in his main event skin and being the uh lead mule in this uh in this uh in this caravan uh he's going to get better at communicating because it's going to be part of being a great promo person is being more comfortable uh and guys some guys are never going to be great promo guys, but I'll venture to say this: if a, if a moderately skilled promo person is lucky enough to hang around the business for seven or eight years, they generally figure out what it's going to take for their word to be heard and to be believed mm-hmm. and to be acted upon. So, uh, but you know, he's uh, he he was fine. He he, he look he looked great. He's great size. He could he could do he could do everything you needed him to do. And he was a good human being. And he had the most he had the greatest trait a wrestler can have in my eyes, that's reliability. Mm. So uh I don't think he missed anything. And he, and he had but good he had,
4: ma- he had good matches with Flair and did
6: he have Flair's personality and gift to gad? Hell no. But who else did? Okay, yeah, that, that shortness, short just like exactly no answer. There is no answer. Yeah. Flair was in a class by himself, but he was the yardstick. And which is tough on his peers because Ain't nobody going to take the nation's place. So,
4: thank you for subscribing to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post shows. Don't forget we got a whole lineup of other shows called the PW Torch Daily Casts. It's free. Just search PW Torch in your podcast app. A different show on a different topic throughout the week, including shows dedicated to AEW, NXT, MMA, Ring of Honor, and more. Just search PW Torch in your podcast app or check out links to the latest shows. At our main website, pwtorch.com. I think there's a tipping point with a lot of top guys, but not all, where they don't just have their bet. Having really good matches is, I think, very important to being a top guy. I mean, I, hopefully that goes without say. But there comes a tipping point when you start having really good matches against people who aren't as good as you that puts you in a new category and, and I'm not sure Sting ever hit that point I'm not sure Roman Reigns has hit that point he might be at the tipping point with you know you could look at Braun Strowman or something like that but he's not there uh but obviously Flair was um Hogan it was different in that way but Austin I mean definitely had matches with people where their best matches were against him as opposed to his best matches were against somebody else and I, I wonder if Sting would have gotten to that point and that—that and that I've, I've always kind of doubted uh, whether he would be that kind of champion, or if you would, you'd constantly be having to feed him people who were better than him to help carry him to main event threshold matches.
6: Well, I—I I don't, you know, I—he's—I I, don't. You're you're thinking heavier than me, man. Okay. Really, I—I uh, <laughs> I admire it, but I—he was just this. He was a—he had great crooksy and great charisma, He naturally connected with people. Uh, he was going to be our guy. This was very, yeah. very inopportune because we had positioned to the fans that change was coming. At least that was kind of the foreshadowing.
4: Well, I, I flew to Baltimore in, ni- in July of 90 to see change because, you know, that change was in the air. That felt like a crowning moment. Yeah. A pivotal moment in history. But I just wondered with Sting, and, again, you don't have to have that because if Sting was successful and healthy and drawing money, you just start hiring the best heels possible and feed them to them. I mean, that's a formula that worked for Hogan. It's worked for uh, Bruno I Summer,
6: worked, King. Uh, JYD it had all the great heels. Some of the greatest heels in the history of the business were JYD's opponents and some of the biggest uh, programs in Mid-South history.
4: Yeah. Yep.
6: So is it, that is the key. you got you got your, your attraction guy who's got the great charisma and sells tickets, but he's not your best wrestler on the card. And anybody going goes along with my soapbox now. I'm going to pull up my fundamentalist thing. I'm going to say, <clears throat> that uh, if you're not the best wrestler in the card, you can't be the top guy. Well, then you're not going to be in business very long.
4: Yeah, and that's something you talked about Rock saying in your book. I mean, uh, you, that, I want to stress this, too, for people who are, uh, you know, like, I don't read wrestling books or I don't listen to wrestling books, and I've gotten enough out of this interview. The stories of these influential people that you cross paths with, Jim, and, and were influential with or were part of their... The, the moments that they were transitioning to being significantly, historically significant figures, it includes Paul Heyman, a lot of Steve Austin, undeniably Mick Foley, uh, or, or some interesting stories on Savage, maybe not quite at that same level, um, uh, Pat Patterson being a guy who embraced you, at a time when others were ostracizing you in WWE. So some really good stories there, but the, the, the chapter on rock wasn't really long, but it really, and there are a lot of just quick to the point chapters where I'm glad you fit stuff in. And the chapter on, on the rock and the attitude he had early on to what you just said, I'm going to be a top guy or the way in, and, and actually the way you described Steve Austin, carrying himself like a top guy. I made a note to ask you about that too. Um, it, it, so it's a, it's a really revealing book in that sense, and I think wrestlers should read this book uh, or listen to it at the gym or whatever on the plane um, because so much of wrestling is your attitude when you're on the rise and haven't been defined yet at your spot on the card. And number two, as Steve Austin did, carry yourself like you're a money draw, whether you are or not. Dress for the job <laughs> you want, they say. Steve did that. Maybe Wade Barrett and Cesaro didn't do that, and that worked against them. You know, like you you know, that's important.
6: I saw on Facebook a few weeks ago, or a few days ago, I should say, Chris Cruz writing about uh, Lance Russell. Yeah. And that they were they were doing a 900 number recording, and Lance came and had his his TV makeup on, his coat and tie, looked great, and uh, Cruz was apparently wondering why Lance was all dressed up to do to do audio. And Lance said, because the fans that see me here are want to see the same guy they see on television.
11: Mm-hmm.
6: Yep. And so, he, in other words, Lance carried himself as he was, as he earned the right to be a star. Austin carried himself in the locker room with great confidence and a little bit of that uh, uh, anti-establishment for real alpha male uh presence.
4: A chip on the shoulder swagger.
6: Yep, yep. He had that, and uh, he, I, I still think to this very day he's never had a match that he loved ever. <laughs>
4: yeah,
11: yeah.
6: And, and then and Rock, when you know when I when we signed Rock, Rock was very explicit with me. Uh, he didn't mix words. I am going to be your top guy. This was before he started training, hmm. and and here's the here's the uniqueness of this. I probably don't give the line justice, but I hear him say it, and I can still hear it in my head today, he was not arrogant. Yeah. He did not come off as some know it all snotty nosed kid that's uh you know, got good DNA and his grandpa and his dad were great stars. He came off as a guy that was gonna take his physical gifts and outwork every son of a bitch in training camp. And he was gonna excel faster than anybody, and he pretty much did this, did those things. So he's really, uh, he. I live right about him, and, uh, and you know, it's those are great wins for me, you know, for my career as an administrator. You know, he got robbed a cut from the Calvary Stampeders practice squad.
4: Wow, yeah.
6: He didn't have, he, and when we were, and, and that seven bucks entertainment thing of his is a true statement. He had seven bucks in his pocket. Yeah. And, and, of course, I, Vince bought lunch, so he said, I'd love to buy you lunch. I only got seven bucks in my pocket. And I said, Vince is buying lunch today, big man, and he's got plenty of money.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is how uh, part two ends. If you noted uh, last week on part one, I did uh, splice in at the end our uh, kind of sign-off. Uh, of the conversation, which picked up right at this point, because Jim plugged a couple dates of things that were coming up in terms of book sales. So the actual conclusion to the interview uh, was tagged on to the end of the first hour yesterday. Or excuse me, with last week's show and today's show features the the second hour, except for the last couple minutes where Jim and I did the sign off. So that's why there's no you know thanks for the interview uh, and uh, enjoyed it that kind of thing that usually ends interviews. So now uh, I urge you to go buy Jim Ross's book. I think if you enjoy that conversation, you're going to enjoy learning about wrestling history. It was so hard in the 1980s and even into the 1990s quite a bit to get that the the level of of insight and details and behind-the-scenes stories from people who were there talking openly about the business and its evolution and the business side and crucial turning points. This is something I'll never take for granted. Having somebody like Jim Ross write a 300-page-plus book with his take on what happened in detailing and adding details to his life and his perspective on his journey, I just don't take for granted people like him doing this it's 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 just wasn't done decades ago um when I was a fan who just craved any kind of inside information that I could get. It's what drove me to do what I do for a living. It was I want to figure i want to learn more, figure out the wrestling business's history talk to people. That's why I've been doing interviews since the very early months of doing the Progressing Torch newsletter. I wanted to talk to people who knew things I didn't know about this fascinating industry. And now I continue to do the interviews 30 years later and love this aspect of my job. But I also uh, love being able to sit back and read a book with uh, the level of information and uh, and history and uh and opinions from somebody who's been there seen a lot and been a lot of places so check out the book don't take for granted that they're out there if you're a wrestling fan and uh take time out to uh read or listen to it i i i definitely recommend it i think it'll make you not only know more about wrestling of course but it'll make you want to seek out more information on wrestling history and while you're at it of course you can go vip in our vip podcast library that dates back literally decades uh, but this, coming up, is a, uh, looks like it's about a 17-minute interview with Road Warrior Hawk that John Arezzi conducted on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show. Uh, the episode aired on October 17th, 1992, so 25 years ago this week. And uh, it's part one of the interview. John ran part one this week, and then on the uh, October 24th episode, he ran the second part. So this is the installment 17 minutes from Uh, The October 17th edition some fascinating stuff as I said at the top of the show with Ward Warrior Hawk comparing working for Jim Crockett to Vince McMahon the uh, uh, idea of possibly a union forming among wrestlers in professional wrestling and why he chose to step away from the WWF what what he said his reasons were at that time as he uh, moved into a different chapter of his career and more so I I think you'll uh, enjoy this also 25 years ago. John Arrecy's interview with Road Warrior Hawk starts right after this final break. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Adorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches. And I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself, go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos.
9: We're back with Pro Wrestling Spotlight, and we're very pleased to have our special guest with us. Been trying to get him for a long time, a very busy man, and uh, one of the most feared tag team wrestlers in the history of the sport now joins us, uh, formerly of Legion of Doom, uh, of course, originator of the Road Warriors. Uh, we're on the phone with Hawk. Hawk, how are you doing today?
11: Uh, just uh, hell-bent and twisted as usual. Well,
9: that's good to hear. We, uh there's been so much talk in and around the wrestling business about uh the departure of Hawk from the Legion of Doom and the World Wrestling Federation. Uh you f- uh, formed one of the most feared if not the most feared tag team combinations ever. Uh now you're going solo. Uh, can you tell us uh you know what happened uh to make you leave the World Wrestling Federation and the Legion of Doom?
11: Well, you know, there was a lot of lot of factors involved. One as we've talked before on conversation over the phone, I just wanted to get back, slow my schedule down, and and have a, a bit of a, you know private life where I could uh, you know down the line uh, incorporate the business in a, in a sense where I wasn't working so much, wrestling so much like I have over the last ten years, where I can enjoy you know life like a, a regular human being and still uh, still do some rest. and uh, also. You know the rigors of this schedule. Um, it just—I guess—they were just culminated after 10 years that I just got fed up.
9: Well, there were rumors uh, circulating about—I would guess a year ago—that at that, that time you were also getting a little bit tired of the the, the grind of being on the road, uh, and there was a period where you'd left the WWF for a little bit. Uh, now. Has this been going on in your mind over the last year or so? That hey, you wanted to slow down, but uh, uh, the working schedule, the World Wrestling Federation, uh, uh, did not allow you to do that.
11: Well, you know, once you you uh, commit yourself under contract, you're 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 supposed to fulfill the obligations. I would say in the last three years, uh, wherever I was wrestling, I wasn't happy in the sense that I was felt that I was getting cheated out of a somewhat private life, uh, you know, uh, a, a normal day life where most people just take for granted uh, small things in life that uh, mean a lot to me. And because I haven't had the opportunity to enjoy them, I would say in the last year I contemplated this, this, uh, this move, uh, you know, for, for last year and, you know, wasn't quite sure. Yes, or when I would do it, but I did it, and uh, that's that.
9: Mm-hmm. Now, when you did come back to WWF, I guess uh, you made a special appearance, uh, a return with Paul Ellering, uh, which was a shocker to many of the, the WWF viewers watching there. Uh, now, was uh, the the bringing back of Paul, uh, was that Kind of a, a a stipulation or a reason for you wanting to give it another shot, or just give it another six or eight months to continue on?
11: No, that was just something that we thought would be a good shot in the arm. Uh, first of all, we had been with them for the most of our careers, uh, and uh, we had always kept in contact. And we just wanted to get back to our roots. And uh, with with Paul Long, uh, who we started out with, who guided us, uh, you know, in our in our green years, and, and taught us. A, more than probably anybody ever taught us about, uh, you know, wrestling in the ring and, and the business outside the ring. We just thought it would, uh, you know, be good for all of us. He wanted, he wanted to, uh, you know, be uh, us, and we, we opened. Uh, with open arms, we uh, welcomed him.
9: Well, of course, Paul has been uh, there right, almost right from the start with you guys. And uh, the friendship... Uh, you leaving the WWF? How did, did it affect the friendship at all between yourself and Ellering and, and Animal?
11: Um, uh, certainly not with with uh, really any of us. It did it affect it. Was uh, I think it took uh, them by surprise because really uh, it was uh, something I contemplated, but uh, nobody really knew about it ahead of time it wasn't something I it was something that I just I guess I just came everything came to a head and I just decided to make my move it hasn't affected you know uh, our relationships uh, my you know Paul and Animal are both understanding and realize that uh, everybody has the right in life to do what's best for them
9: mm-hmm. and uh, now the World Wrestling Federation is uh, planning on continuing on with the team and I understand that uh uh, Crush will be added as the new member of Legion of Doom. Um, do you have any opinions of uh, how he's going to work with Animal, uh, uh, as far as maybe a gut feeling on chemistry or? Well,
11: first of all, I I think I think this that that uh, Crush is a is a great talent, a humongous man. And a personal friend of mine who I enjoy, and uh, he has a bright future. And uh, how he, him and an animal will gel is, you know, uh, it's hard to say. They're both, you know, very, uh, very good at what they do. And uh, I guess it's up to, to the individuals involved to, as far as the gelling goes. But I think that myself that... Uh, it's it's not. I wouldn't say. I as far as the tag team, we were established for ten years together. That it's it's like uh, Laurel and Hardy. Uh, Hardy, uh, you know, splits the scene, and you get another heavy set guy and put a mustache on him. I don't know if it'll ever be the same. Yeah. But that's that's not to say with the talent that the two have that are involved. That uh, you know that couldn't be the opposite.
4: One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library, contemporaneous, in depth insider reporting on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're going to begin our march through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all-text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them. Plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features are 2001 year-end review features, including ranking Pro Wrestling's most influential power brokers and our Torch year-end awards the year in quotes, and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001. So go VIP and dive into our back issues. We have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002, one at a time throughout the year 2022. pwtorch.com slash go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year.
9: Yeah, lots of, uh, lots of the fans out there, you know, disappointed uh, that you'd left the team, but uh every person's got to do what's best for themselves uh we had a lot of response uh, over the last few months uh, when the WWF inter- introduced a character uh that was called Rocco which is uh, still with the team I would guess uh was that something that uh, maybe disillusioned you a little bit as far as when they brought a puppet into the scene and uh you think it took away from the from the edge that the Legion of Doom had
11: um I, I think a lot of people thought that was the case it really never had a uh, it never really uh, evolved long had a long enough time to evolve in anything where I, I believed that the three of us together uh, along with uh, Rocco given time uh, we could have could have made the whole situation work it, it didn't really have any bearing on on my leaving whatsoever mm-hmm. uh, it, it was uh something uh, for all the you know young young people out there to identify with
9: yeah and was that just like a, a was that idea brought to you or is it uh legion of doom's idea to bring him in or was it the front office of the wwf uh, to, who decided to add little you know an extra little gimmick to the to the group
11: uh it was agreed upon by the, the three of us but to, to tell you it was paul elrain's brainstorm.
9: uh-huh Okay. Uh there's been a lot of things going on in the world of pro wrestling. Uh right now it's not the uh, the business is not the very best in the world with the attendance down and uh television ratings a little bit down uh than they have been previously. Uh do you have any personal opinion as far as what it's going to take maybe to uh, to get the ball rolling again in the world of pro wrestling? Uh, uh it's do you think it's been overexposed? Uh, uh, do you have any any sense in your gut what it's going to take to bring the fans back to the arenas?
11: Well, I think I think it it, 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 it has been definitely sa- you know heavily saturated in, in you know exposure-wise on TV and everything. But uh, it's like any business; it has it goes in cycles. Yeah. And and I've seen it up and then you know and down uh, a few times and i i, I wrestling has, has been around a long time and i expect that uh, this is a you know a, a valley and it, it will definitely peak again but uh, the, the other side of the coin is, is 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 what the business is doing in europe is phenomenal and uh other parts of the country that it's new to the you know uh promotions will do are doing very well
9: uh yeah, here in the states it just hasn't been right, and hopefully things will pick up, because there's a lot of diehard wrestling fans out there that love the business. It's just a little sad to see the attendance uh, dwindling the way it has been. Uh, a lot of shakeups in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, wanted to get your opinion on, uh, on a situation that took place this week. Uh, another title change in the World Wrestling Federation, Ric Flair lost the title of Bret Hart uh, this past week, and... Uh, Big surprise! A lot of the insiders following the wrestling business uh, uh, could not believe the, that this happened. Uh, what's your opinion of Bret Hart as a new champion? And uh, were you surprised won well, this match uh, when you found out the results of this match? Well, first of all, controversy creates uh, uh,
11: interest. Mm-hmm. Interest creates attendance. Uh, no, I, as far as I wasn't, I wasn't shocked really. I. I it, by any means, but I because uh, Bret Hart is very capable and a very very uh, uh, good wrestler. Very uh, has uh, you know a whole arsenal of, of moves, and uh, he can he can definitely carry the load uh, in my eyes because uh, he's uh, he's very uh, uh, versatile. I, I think that uh, you know if 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 the, if, a, if a man you know. You know, wins, wins the uh, the world title, and uh, obviously uh, he's deserving of
9: it. Yeah. Uh, that was a big shakeup this week in the company and uh, shocked a lot of people. Uh, just a couple more questions, and we'll, and we'll let you go. Uh, you, of course, were a mainstay as well uh, with Animal and the WCW, formerly the NWA. Uh, can you give us any comparisons as far as what, what was it like uh, working in uh, those organizations, maybe a comparison between uh, the NWA and, and the WWF? Well,
11: the, the NWA was, was a small organization that competed very well with the WWF while we were there. And actually, town to town, there were a certain... Uh, few years it, it did extremely well business being a smaller company as good as is the WWF uh, when Jim Crockett owned it, it was more personable uh, it was it was uh, uh, there was there was less red tape it was you know one-on-one with him and he was uh, uh, pretty good as far as his word went uh, when it was uh, the transaction was made in, in Ted Turner to control uh, there was a lot of people involved in the front office at that point they had no experience whatsoever had their own ideas uh, about what they wanted to do but having no experience really in in, uh, in, in wrestling I don't I didn't quite agree with them and uh, uh, we didn't really at that time it, we we left shortly after uh t- Ted Turner took over because we didn't really uh, see eye to eye with the uh, front office and uh, their ideas and where they were going and uh, uh, where we were going with them. And uh, it, wasn't a matter of, it wasn't a matter of money. We walked out and guaranteed money. It was just a matter of uh, uh, we didn't understand uh, th- their concepts and didn't think that they were going in the right direction. Also, didn't think that they were treating their, the talent, which is their bread and butter, Uh, in a very appropriate way.
12: In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history.
8: Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out. Exclusively for PW Torch VIP members.
9: Well, there seems to be a lot of controversy right now with Bill Watts. Uh, in the company now, uh, they're trying to eliminate uh, the guaranteed contracts, medical benefits, etc., which uh, uh, were an incentive for a lot of guys to join that company. Uh, if you had your preference as far as getting a guarantee or a percentage of gait as uh, what's normally done in the World Wrestling Federation, uh, what would be your preference and what do, you, what do you think is best for the wrestlers involved when they get Twice into wrestling? The- the-
11: Every every wrestler would probably side with guarantees because you know what you're in for. Then uh, you know uh, it doesn't matter if there's two people in the crowd or two thousand. You're guaranteed a certain amount of money that you're going to make, and you know what you're looking at, and you can uh, you can uh, you know uh, base your finances and what, what you're going to invest around that. It's a, it's a sure deal, a guarantee. Where percentage wise, uh, which you know could be. As good or, or better or, or or not as good because you, if you're going by percentage you're going by the attendance of the, of, the, of, the, of each uh, individual uh, show.
9: Mm-hmm.
11: Uh, guarantees I uh, was was always the way I liked like to go, but that's not that's not saying that you always got them.
9: Yeah, uh, the comparisons between the, the WWF and the WCW uh, as far as uh, the organizations and and. The way people are paid has always been brought up, uh, at least on my on my talk shows and some of the others. Um, you're you're saying, you know, obviously that the guaranteed situation is better. Uh, do you think that uh, there's been a lot of controversy in WCW? I don't know if, uh, what the attitude is with most of the boys in, in WWF. Uh, a lot of people are talking about the 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 urge to unionize uh, wrestling. You well, think you think that'll ever happen? No, uh, it's been talked about.
11: Ever since I've been in this business, and it's a, it's the only business I can think of that is, is a, a multi multi million dollar business that is not unionized, and that's strange. But uh, every wrestler you have you have uh, prelim guys, middle match guys, and main eventers, and uh, I don't think that I would uh, want to be as a main eventer somebody who would uh, who would. <sighs> For the sake of the other individuals that are middle match and, and prelim guys, I think it would—if they were the ones—they were the ones that, that, that stand to lose on that—and being that uh, they're all, you know, in the same business, and I respect them, I—I I would say that it, it would be hard because everybody's in a different situation. Some guys can't afford to take the risk of trying to unionize because they might lose their jobs. They have families. everybody's in a different situation. Yeah. And uh, sure, it'd be great, but it hasn't happened yet, and I really don't foresee
9: it in the future. You think the major promotions should uh, take care of the wrestlers with medical coverage? Perhaps?
11: Yeah, I, I certainly do. Mm-hmm. But it is, as for me, working in, in the WCW with NWA at that time at WWF, the promoters I worked for, anytime I got injured in the ring, uh, did take care of me. Mm-hmm. i mean as far as taking care of medical bills and time off uh, you'll receive checks you know which i think is uh is appropriate because uh you know uh, we're out there busting our butts and uh bringing home you know bringing the people in you know the promoters are the ones that control it and set everything up but uh, without the wrestlers uh nobody's going to come and uh I, you know, it would certainly be nice to, to be assured and guaranteed of, of medical benefits, but uh, it depends again on your situation. Now, you know, a main event guy who's you know drawing people into the building is going to have is going to get special you know treatment or preference versus the,
9: uh, the guy just breaking in,
11: or or middle match or premium guys. You mm-hmm. know, the bottom line is you're worth. It. In the wrestling business, uh, you're, you gauge it by uh, the uh, reaction you get when you walk to that ring and, and, and it's it being main event that you uh, feel the billions of. Mm-hmm.
4: So you can uh, catch up on dozens and dozens and dozens of Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio shows. Ted DiBiase. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go give us a five-star rating on iTunes and a quick review. If you have time for that, it really does help. And until next time, Wade Keller, thanking you and signing off. As many of you know, I like my food analogies when it comes to pro wrestling. Don't ask me how I make it work, but I think I do some of the time. I I really actually am into food. I like uh, nutrient-dense food. I think about what I eat. I think about what I put in my body. I think I make good choices, and I have good energy, and I maintain my weight well. And part of that is whole foods and nutrient density. But that's not always possible when you're in a rush or when you don't want to order out and spend the money on the tip and waiting for the driver to show up. And a lot of us don't always have time to cook. Some people just don't like to cook. And that's where Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals come into play. I have regularly ordered those on my own. I found that I like to have a supply of Factor meals always on hand. It takes about two minutes to heat and eat. Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals make it easy to fuel up fast. Factor's rotating meals have ton of fall options every week, too. You can add your seasonal favorites like 3-Bean Vegan Chili, one of my favorites, or Tuscan Tomato Chicken, or many other options on their menu, which changes every week. In fact, Factor offers 30-plus meals per week and 36-plus add-on options like smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going, no matter what's on the schedule. And Factor, as I noted, is cheaper and quicker than takeout. Seriously, thanks to their commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can actually feel good about what you're eating every day, and it tastes great they don't add a bunch of extra salt and artificial ingredients to try to fake it they use real whole food and you'll taste it again i can attest to this as someone who likes to cook and likes to eat out and frankly i'm kind of picky about restaurants i'll go to a second and third time these are chef crafted recipes packed with restaurant quality flavor so here's what you do head over to go.factor75.com 60 i'll repeat that in a second here and you'll get 60 percent off your first box that's code Wade60 when you go to go.factor75.com Wade60. That's go.factor75.com Wade60 to get 60% off your first box.
12: In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history.
8: Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members.
7: Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Sochek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year. When we started the show back then, we were talking just Impact Wrestling, and we still talk about them from time to time as well. And over the years we've branched out to also discuss MLW. And of course, the main event of our program, which is always the latest going on in AEW. Again, the show is called the All Elite After Show with me, Mike McMahon, and my partner, Andrew Socek. You can check us out as part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. You can subscribe to our show and all of the Daily Cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast app. And of course, you can listen ad free with a PW Torch VIP membership.
10: Every Sunday night, catch wrestling night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern.
12: Aloha, Torch Faithful. This is Kelly Wells, host of PWT Talks NXT. Every Thursday, you can hear me and my gang of idiots, Tom Stout, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch Recapper Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT Live on USA Network. Search PWTorch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe, or listen on demand and see the entire P.W. Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers!
10: Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Wrestling Paradise at P.W. Torch VIP, as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro-Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise.
4: Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash It's 12 pages every week, packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more. pwtorch.com slash Take a break from screen time and settle in every week. With a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, paper copy edition, in the year 2022, you can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library. Contemporaneous, in-depth, insider reporting on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're gonna begin our March through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all-text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them. Plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features our 2001 year-end review features, including ranking Pro Wrestling's most influential power brokers and our Torch year-end awards the year in quotes and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001 so go vip and dive into our back issues we have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002 one at a time throughout the year 2022 pwtorch.com slash go vip pwtorch.com slash go vip that's pwtorch.com slash go vip for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year.
7: Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. In
12: 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history.
8: Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members.
4: You can support us on Patreon and get these shows. With ads and plugs removed, the Weight Killer Processing Podcast, Weight Killer Processing post shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just four dollars and ninety-nine cents a month. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Torch VIP. That's patreon.com slash PW Torch VIP. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon.